Welcome to Warriors Offcourt, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by the Chronicles Metro columnist, Otis Taylor Jr., who has done a great job covering racial issues in the Bay Area and is plugged in on what's going on in the sports world. We discussed the NBA's decision to sit out playoff games in protest of the shooting of Jacob Blake and what impact that could have long term. Otis, thank you so much for joining me back on the podcast. I had you on a couple months ago in the wake of everything that was going on with the George Floyd and the protests and when that that was really starting to become a major national conversation. And here we are a couple months later and it just seems like every other week there's a new iteration to it. And not surprisingly, as often happens, it is spreading into the sports world. And um, I just wanted to have you on to talk about what has been a historic couple of days in the sports world. Um, anyone who has been living under a rock uh, for the past 48 hours, uh, the, the, the Milwaukee Bucks decided to, to not play their playoff game against the Orlando Magic uh, because of uh, the the shooting that happened in Kenosha a few days ago in in a, in a sort of protest to that of that and then that sparked protests throughout the sports world. You saw it in the WNBA, MLB. Um, the NBA announced today that they are not playing today, but they could return as soon as tomorrow. Just seeing all this happen and all this unfold. Did it surprise you, or, or in your mind, was this kind of just the next step in, in this movement? Hey, um, and thanks for having me again, Connor. It's a, always a pleasure to come on your podcast. Yes, I think this was, I, I want to say, inevitable. And here's why. Because this country, this nation, hasn't addressed police violence yet. So, of course, we would have another video of police violence. And then this one was, uh, like George Floyd, was especially excruciating to watch a man be shot seven times in his back. Um, there were so many other things that could be done in that situation by police if that those officers hadn't have gone with reaching for the weapons first and i think it's it's the the place of of athletes right now who have such uh rabbit followings and um they have to if if they generally uh genuinely i should say believe that these issues aren't being addressed which they aren't let me be clear about that then i believe it's incumbent on people with platforms to bring attention to this. And um, yes, the work stoppage was um, was something that brought attention that otherwise would have been, um, it would have been a missed opportunity otherwise if the players hadn't, um, in, in, in multiple leagues, if the players hadn't decided that we need to take a stand for racial justice. Yeah, no, you know, it's, it's interesting because um, shortly after, the Bucks decided not to play that game. Uh, late last night, Draymond Green tweeted support for all the players who didn't, who just, who opted not to play yesterday. But he very quickly followed that up with saying, "Look, guys, don't you think we should start playing again though? Because this is our platform. We can use these games as a platform to get our message across." You know, he felt like 
it might be counterintuitive a little bit to continue to not play games. And there was a major question entering today of whether or not we were either even going to have the continuation of the postseason. Uh, the Lakers and the Clippers had come out and said they were not going to play. They're obviously two of the favorites to win the title. Um, it's looking like there will be a resumption of play. Uh, the players had a meeting this morning, um, and it came out that they're, they're going to resume probably this weekend, potentially as soon as tomorrow. What's your thought on that? Do you think that the, benefit, the league could benefit from taking longer to not play? It'll have been at least two days by the time they resume that they'll have this game. Do you think it would advance their message and their cause? by continuing to sit out or do you think they've kind of accomplished what they need to accomplish and they can they can uh accomplish what they want by resuming at this point that is a multifaceted question connor and here is where i stand i believe when players grasp power and force a work stoppage like we're witnessing here it sends a message but I also believe that when those same players return to work, they'll continue to bring bring light uh, to these social justice issues. Uh, and, and case in point is Chris Paul of the Oklahoma City Thunder, after his team pied a series that they should be out of already, he used his post-game interview to talk about the police shooting of Jacob Blake. And I thought that was powerful. It's as powerful as the work stoppage. All this is to say, Connor, is that this isn't going away anytime soon. And sports leagues, particularly the NBA, need to recognize that their players, like their fans, are calling for something greater than sports, sports championships. They are talking about the lives of black and brown people who are threatened with every encounter that they have with police in America. Yeah. I will say as someone who's covered the NBA for about a half decade now, I've been incredibly impressed just by the intellectual depth of, of a lot of these, these players, you know, these are guys who, um, have a lot of interest outside of basketball. They read. They're 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 keeping up on what's going on in the world. They're asking the right questions. They're um, they're they're asking what what their role is in all of this, and they're facing tough answers at times. And I think you know when you're in that position where you're a multi million dollar, well known professional athlete professional black athlete you do not forget the fact that you are entertaining a public that oftentimes is filled with many people who don't actually see you as a person you know you are entertaining a public who you know wants you to shut up and dribble you know they want to be entertained they want to see you dunk the basketball they want to see the alley-oop they want to see the highlights but then they want you to stop speaking. And, um, you know, those are the same people that don't see why it's such a big deal that a 29-year-old black man was uh, was shot and nearly killed 
in Kenosha a few days ago. And those are the same people that don't understand why the sports world would have to stop because a 29-year-old black man was nearly shot and killed in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that when you're in the position that a lot of these athletes are in, the only real power you can have, the only real way you can make your voice heard sometimes is by giving the public what it is by depriving the public of what it wants, which is to watch you play basketball. Mm-hmm. So by forcing the world to go two days during the heart of the NBA playoffs about NBA basketball, maybe that can be enough to force people to, to, to listen or at least have an awareness that this is a big deal and needs to be paid attention to. Yeah, you know, and the thing is, is that I'm reminded and um, uh, the players protest in in the NBA and also the WNBA with uh, their T-shirts, the courts, uh, the jerseys. We're reminded of this Jacob Blake incident that this has happened and it will continue to happen until this country takes a stand against that, against police violence, against systemic racism. Um, I don't think it's, it's far-fetched, Connor, to, to think that uh, these playoffs could be suspended again or next year or the year after that. I have more confidence in that happening than this country actually once and for all addressing systemic racism. It's just something that hasn't been done. It's been piecemeal efforts. And what this moment, since the death of George Floyd, who had an officer's knee on his neck for almost nine minutes, what this country has been calling for is addressing the very real problem that people of color have in this country just because of their color of their skin. And that's the problem. It's yeah, it's just surreal to think that a global pandemic couldn't shut down the NBA playoffs, but racism and police brutality could. You yeah. know, I've been so impressed by the NBA and how it has managed to put together a playoff environment in a bubble setting with next to no major issues you know there have been no positive tests been pretty smooth you know outside of a couple hiccups early on um it's been a really seamless process and i was definitely one of the people saying i don't think they should even attempt this i I thought it was going to be a disaster and you know it's been a really high level competitive um playoffs i think you know given the situation i think it's been really entertaining i think um they've been the the players when they're playing have have been bringing their all but Mm -hmm. um that doesn't mean that they can just step off the court and pretend that all this stuff that's going on in the world isn't going on yeah and and because it impacts their lives I, i i think back to this connor in 2018 i believe uh sterling brown a Milwaukee Bucks player was tasered and arrested in a drugstore parking lot. Why? Because apparently he parked in a handicapped parking space. 
the police immediately went to using force against this man. So that yeah. shows that you can be a million dollar or earn a million dollar salary. And when it comes to the police, that doesn't matter. What matters is the color of your. That's why I feel the NBA has taken a leadership role in addressing uh, social justice issues. It's the role that the NFL could have had, but you saw what happened with that. Instead of seeing or hearing what Colin Kaepernick was talking about when he took a knee in 2016 on the sidelines for the San Francisco 49ers, he was trying to call attention to police brutality. And instead, he got pushed out of the league. That is what the NBA players are talking about right now. We have this power, and you're not going to silence our voices because we know what's going on. It's not like you have to have a degree and, 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 and study uh, history and, and, and race in this country. You can just open up an app, look on Twitter. You can look on a television. You can just use Google. You can look at our newspaper, and you can see that these incidents incidences aren't just aberrations. These are what happen in everyday life in this country. Yeah, no, and and uh the 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 crazy thing to me is that we live in a we live in a world where um a lot of people still don't recognize their own power. Um and mm. I think it's really empowering when you have professional athletes who know their role, who know their place, and they're willing to assert their authority. I mean, the reality is the most important person in the NBA is not Adam Silver. It's mm. LeBron James. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the most important member of the Warriors is not Joe Lacob or Bob Myers or Steve Kerr. It's Steph Curry. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's because without those guys, without Steph Curry – the Warriors are not worth $4.3 billion. They are probably worth closer to $400 million is what Joe Lacob's ownership group bought the Warriors for in 2010. And Steph Curry, though I, he, I don't think he's an egotistical guy by any means, I think he has an awareness that that is his value. Mm-hmm. And um, that's why it matters so much and it means so much when someone like Steph speaks at the Democratic National Convention and and asserts his per- personal political beliefs, or when uh, LeBron James comes out and just says steadfastly, we are not playing until this is rectified, mm-hmm. um, because they are they are the machine. They are what drives this entire business. Um, no one no one should have a bigger voice than that. Well, I, I completely agree with you, and and also. Um, you and I have talked about our privilege before, you know, where we went to school, um, the jobs we have, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic and, you know, we're still gainfully employed like so many Americans aren't. I think of it as myself, as a black man in America, um, it's incumbent upon me, you know, to have reached a certain status in life to speak or, or allow others to speak to me. Um, their experience in this country, because my experience is not what a majority of Black Americans experience in the United States right now. And yes, I think it's about time that athletes stood up because you're right, they they add so much value to their leagues. Um, 
they uh, have such loyal followings, but they also have this platform where if they're knowledgeable, they need to speak out. They can't sit idly by because their voice will help people who uh, live in impoverished neighborhoods, people where uh, their communities are occupied by police forces. I mean, it's in the communities we live in, Connor, uh, where uh, these areas that we have where it's a majority people of color and they don't have the same resources that you and I have. It's important that people who attain a certain status in life speak for people who don't have the same opportunities and resources that we have. We'll have more of my conversation with Otis Taylor Jr. right after the break. Part of why I think it's so almost fitting in certain ways that it's the NBA leading the national conversation and the NBA continues to be the trendsetter when it comes to these types of issues is because there's no other league where the players are more recognizable or identifiable than the NBA. LeBron James and Kevin Durant and Steph Curry have a different level of star power than a Mike Trout. The average sportsman might not even be able to pick Mike Trout out of a crowd. Mm -hmm. Everyone, even people who aren't sports fans, know who LeBron James is. Um, you know, you have you have major political leaders talking about this now. Maybe maybe when they were trying to bury the headlines and, and not address this in a really direct way, now they have to because LeBron's being attached to this. You know, you had. You had Jared Kushner say yesterday that he was going to contact LeBron James and talk about this. Now, who knows if he actually did that? <laughs> but uh, it's it's important that someone like LeBron's name is in the mouth of President Trump and Kushner because, as regardless of what your personal opinion is about those people, they have an enormous reach and they have a lot of people listening to what they have to say, who, you know, might not be the same audience that LeBron normally is speaking to. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, but I think uh, with that, um, and, you know, if you've read my work, I feel strongly about the president and his administration. Um, <laughs> LeBron James is, is smart enough to know that, um, it's smart enough to avoid being used as a tool of propaganda. Um, if you listen to Jared Kushner's comments, it was, okay, so they've done this, but I want to talk to him so we can think about solutions. Well, we, we've heard that before. And LeBron emphatically stated on, on his social media that he's tired of it. He doesn't want any more of the platitudes. Um, it's time for... Uh, serious um, intervention um, right now. And in the, this presidential administration has shown that it's, it's opposed to that. Um, they actually want more police on the streets. They want um, more police actions to quell um, protesters who, I have to repeat this, who are overwhelmingly peaceful. And you have to remember that people wouldn't be in the street in Kenosha, Washington, um, in Kenosha, Wisconsin, 
unless a black man had been shot seven times in the back by a white police officer. I think LeBron James knows he has a position and he's very wise to not have it co-opted by someone or an administration that wants to put a lid on the protest. This administration has shown that it does not want to have a substantive discussion about race in America. And that's what LeBron James wants. Yeah. And whether or not President Trump's, President Trump's administration wants it or not, that conversation is happening. And it is indeed. It's been happening now for a couple months, and I don't see it going anywhere. It's been happening for more than a couple months, but it's really heightened since the the George Floyd mm-hmm. murder. Um, and so, um, and unfortunately, it's it's continuing to gain steam because these these incidents, these killings, these monstrosities continue to happen, and probably for the better, they're at least being caught on camera because everything. It's one thing to hear about a 29-year-old black man being shot in Kenosha, Wisconsin. It's another thing to actually see video of it. Yep. You right? you, you saw the video. I, I, I mean, I don't know about you, man, but it's like I'm concerned about being desensitized because it's so different from 2016 when I saw Philando Castile get murdered in uh, Minnesota by a police officer. Um, on Facebook Live, and his girlfriend recorded that, and that just it floored me. Same way with George Floyd, but here we are with Jacob Blake, and I'm just, of course, this is happening, and you know, I don't want to have that reaction. I want to be sad. I want to be angered. I don't want to just think, okay, this is another death. I think that's how um, it plays uh, for people who resist acknowledging that um, police violence disproportionately affects black and brown people. And that's, that's worrisome for me, for myself, but it's, it's, I'm just so worried uh, about this country's future um, because of its inability to acknowledge what we're watching on social media. Like you said, there are incidents after incidents after incidents and we're still arguing about accountability. Like we're beyond that. We know we need to have police accountability. What are we going to do about that? And um, I, I really feel this country has stalled. And that's why um, it's so important for these athletes to use their voices and um, their, their capital to propel that discussion because otherwise without them would we you would not even be talking about this i don't think we would be in in the same sort of way what what do you think it's going to take for for the athletes who have taken a stand and sat out games to feel like this was not for not to feel like their voice is being heard to feel like change is happening um i think another five to ten years for one it's going to take uh, a sustained effort on their part. I mean, this is not just a couple of games, uh, one playoff s- series. This is every year. And I think we st- we saw that back when Eric Garner was um, choked uh, to death by a police officer, um, some players wore, I can't breathe. Um, I think this doesn't end until 
Congress enacts laws that impact the behavior of police. Because right now they can, 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 can claim uh, that they either feel for their lives or after the fact we have qualified immunity. We need to take that away. We need to focus on uh, laws that allow um, jurisdictions to decertify police officers that have a history of violence. We no longer need that corrosive um, culture in police departments. I, I think also, um, especially players like LeBron James and Chris Paul, um, they want even more. They want to see some of the uh, outrageous funding that goes to police departments to be put to better use because when conservatives uh, say, well, it's education, um, you know, these children, and we know who we're talking about when they say these children uh, don't have fathers in their homes or, or they have too many drugs. Well, why don't we use some of this money that we pay to or use for police officers when they have so much uh, a large size of the budget of cities, why don't we take some of that money and put it back into the community so we can improve the schools, so we can do something about drugs, so uh, the fathers are not in prison or the mothers are not addicted to drugs, as conservatives would like to point out. I'm thinking that players want to see not only laws, but also a commitment from our government federal, local, county, state governments to do something about systemic racism because you can't address poverty in this country without addressing systemic racism. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's really well said and that's that's why I thought it was really cool that the bus not not only sat out the game, but they went the extra step to, to contact the Attorney General of Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, that that extra level is what it's going to take. That extra step um, is going to mean as much, if not more, than actually sitting out a game. Um, I agree. And that, to me, r- that really hit hard because, um, you know, it's one thing to, to make that statement, but, uh, you know, to actually – take that extra step to bring about legislative change. Like you said, that's going to be, that's going to be the only way we we can really make things better. Cause I, I hate to say this, but I don't think that this is the last time that an unarmed black man is going to get shot by a white police officer. I just, I just don't think it's the last time. Of course not. It, it's, it's not. And, and I, I think that we um, as people who work, uh, for media organizations, uh, we need to acknowledge that fact. Um, and it won't stop until there are very real consequences for police officers. And I'm not someone, I, I'm not carceral. I'm not thinking, let's throw everyone in jail. No, I think part of, you know, our issue stems for, you know, we are so addicted to incarceration in this country. But I do believe that a police officer that shows a propensity toward violence does not need to be a police officer. He does not, he or she does not need to be able to go to another jurisdiction and be handed a gun 
and he's still out there. She's still out there with the same issues. I don't think that I think we need to um, address policing in a way uh, to where police officers will be held accountable by the public for their actions. And uh, until that happens, we are going to see another person shot and it's going to be videotaped because <laughs> there's video of everything right now, it seems like, whether it's officer body cam or bystanders. And that's another thing, Connor. I, I just um, I just don't understand how in this climate with so much attention, you know, police reform, it's so heightened right now um, where officers don't think twice about pulling that trigger or four times really just it just seems so natural to shoot um jacob blake and i think that's what's so sad about this and i think that's what um really sparked this effort by uh these sports leagues led by the nba was that there has to be another way we cannot as people as americans accept that that is the only way that that was the only outcome of the situation that a black man has to be shot seven times in the back and then the next day a white teenager who allegedly fatally shot two protesters gets to walk past police armored vehicles with a semi-automatic rifle on his shoulder and no one asks questions that is America right now. And that is what this protest by the NBA, um, that's what it's about. It's that we cannot accept that this is okay or that this is the country we want to live in. The, I was watching video today and that video of, of the 17-year-old with the, the AK-47, literally after he shot and killed two people, mm-hmm. is actually mm-hmm. has his hands up walking mm-hmm. toward police and mm-hmm. they still ignore him mm-hmm. actually it one of the armored vehicles uh because uh there is video um of of that teenager um hobnobbing with police officers before the shooting incident um but it, it appears that one of the police armored vehicles uh over the speaker asked asked the guy are there people shot down there it, so it shows an armed man after shooting. They're they're going to invest. The police are going to investigate a shooting. They don't think to stop the man. And you know why they don't stop him? It's because he's a white male. If that had been a black man or a person of color, they would have detained him. America knows that to be true. Yeah, yeah. Um, well. Otis, I really, I really appreciate your insight. I think our listeners do too. Um, where can they find all your good work? <laughs> um, follow me on Twitter at Otis R. Taylor Jr. Um, and yeah, that's uh, I post some links up there. But I also, um, from time to time, I, I try to um, really spark a conversation. And um, actually, Connor, I'm writing a column uh, about. Um, the the shooting of Jacob Blake um, for the Chronicle um, should be published online um, by the time this this podcast drops. 
Awesome. Well, I'll definitely be checking that out. I'm sure our listeners will too. And hope you know. Hopefully, I don't need to have you on that much more in coming weeks. But I didn't. I wouldn't be surprised if I did. I don't. I don't think this conversation's going anywhere. Uh, it's still here, man, and I'll be here too. Our thanks to Otis Taylor Jr. for joining me on the podcast. I really appreciated his insights. Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 